Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. All right, let's get to to the word of God. Oh, man. All right, Matthew chapter 13. Go to the first book of the New Testament. So grateful today. So my heart is so filled so filled. Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to hang out. Hey, listen, real quick, um, I guess two things. Number one, those of you who are online, man, shout out to y'all. We are, we are grateful that we have a community of people that uh, continuously pipe in. Um, I, I see that people are, are still asking questions about the 930. Just a reminder that we do not stream our 930 service. We only stream our 1130 service and we don't stream it on Facebook uh, anymore. We actually just stream it. We've centralized everything to one time, one place. So everything is now on YouTube. I just wanted to say that. And also, I just, you know, just want to acknowledge that there are several people that are sick right now. Uh, COVID is kind of making his rounds again. And also people um, that I know of in this church have the flu. And so I just want to, number one, solicit your prayers for illness and sickness. Remember last week when I preached um, in Ephesians chapter six, I didn't, I re- wasn't really able to get to chapter 12 where chapter 12, uh, verse 12, I'm sorry, where verse 12 says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, uh, but against spiritual wickedness. I just want to remind us that, you know, you have a lot of work to do for the kingdom of God and sickness is just one. I know sometimes it's just a comment, it's just the sniffles, but you have no clue how that kind of stuff throws you off from mission. So I just want to, you know, I want to pray for you. I want you to be praying. I also want you guys to be resting. Uh, this is a good year to start exercising. Yeah. Y'all ain't saying nothing. This is a good year to bundle up. This is a really good year to eat, eat well. In fact, um, I was telling Ty, I feel really called, which is so weird. I've never seen this before, but I feel so called to preaching um, really a two-part series on what the Bible says about food and just like, you know, health and I had a, my, my old pastor down in North Carolina when I was a, I was a small kid. His name was uh, Reverend James Brown, not to be confused with the Godfather of Soul, but it was Reverend Brown. And he intentionally planted a, a, a farm, uh, kind of a farm, but, you know, he had, he had a garden in the backyard. And um, it was a huge garden because we, we sat on acres down there. And when it was harvest season, he literally would set up a table and he and the other deacons, they would all be there and they would just give out all of the produce for free. They would give out the fruits and the vegetables. And I just hear him always saying in my head, uh, take these fruits and vegetables because you need to build up your resistance because winter's coming. You know, winter's coming. And so I, I just want to say in the spirit of James Brown, uh, eat your vegetables and your fruits so that you can uh, remain healthy. All right, I'm talking too much. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Just three quick verses even though it's three quick verses, it's two different parables. Verse 44. By the way, are y'all there? You good? All right. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man bought and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all. Somebody say all. It's really important. He sells all that he has and buys the field. Verse 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all, somebody say all, that he had and he bought it. I want to preach today from the topic that's really posed as a question. What are you chasing after? What are you chasing after? Here's what I know. Everybody in this room, nobody's standing still. 
We're all running and pursuing and chasing after something. And the question that's on the table that we must answer is what is it that we are chasing after? Before we dig in, let's, let's look to the Lord. Uh, Father, yeah, we need your spirit today. We arrive at the point of the service, oh God, where even though we believe you speak in all types of ways, we know that the preaching of your word is one of the ways. And so, Lord, I, I personally pray to, in an extreme way, decrease so that you can increase. Would you use broken people in a broken vessel like me to accomplish something great, which is the proclamation of your word? But I pray that these two parables, three verses, would not just be cute stories, Lord, but may this transform someone's life. May this story change someone's behavior. Lord, save somebody today. Save somebody. I don't, I know you in here. Save somebody today for your glory and for your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you ask that question to your neighbor for me? Say, what are you chasing after? Come on, look at somebody else. Look like they're running. Just say, what are you chasing after? A few years ago, when we still were on Fulton Street, this is before the pandemic, um, we were all in the, in the office working at, at, at our old church and and Gabe pops in the office and he's like, man, let's go try this burger spot out, man. You really need to try it. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's, let's do it. So we left. We left like two hours early. And I'm like, it don't take that long. The spot is in Soho. It's called Raul's. If you've never been there, you really should go and try. I, I would argue uh, that it's one of the best burgers, if not the best burger uh, in New York uh, for two reasons. For two reasons, it's a good burger. Number one, it's a good burger because it's just delicious. The bun to, 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 to patty ratio. They don't use ketchup and mayo. They, they make this own little special gravy. Y'all had it before? They make this little special gravy. Now, now here's the catch. The reason Gabe wanted us to leave two hours early is because we had, to, we had to be the first 12 people in line. Because if you're not the first 12 people in line, you won't get the burger because they only make 12 a day. Because, because there's only 12 seats at the bar and you can't order the burger from sitting at another table, you have to order the burger from sitting at the bar. I would argue Gabe was at the bar for two reasons, but the burger was one of them. Just want to say, I just want to put it out there. The burger was one of them. And so we're sitting at the bar and, 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 and they bring out the burgers and we eat them. And I'm like, oh, I see why we stood in line. Now, here's the thing. The burger was desirable, number one, because it was good. But it was also desirable, let's be honest, because of how exclusive it was. Y'all know we like exclusive stuff, stuff that's not easy to obtain and easy to get, stuff that everybody can't get. It becomes more valuable, but I want to argue that it's the opposite way in the kingdom of God when it comes to heaven, which is the most valuable thing you could ever have in your life, it's open to all who profess faith in Jesus. You don't have to stand in line and be the first 12 people in line when it comes to heaven. You, you don't have to worry that they're going to run out of a spot for you in heaven. You don't have to worry on whether you're going to be rejected. Can I tell you the confidence that I have that I'll be walking around the streets of gold? I'm not confident in my ability. I'm confident that Jesus has secured my place. There's a verse that Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, it doesn't say you might be saved. It's a possibility. I'm secure in my faith because Jesus has secured the right for me to walk around the, the gates of, uh, that, that are going to have pearls on them. 
and the streets that are going to have gold on them. And let me just promise you the best part of heaven is not that you're going to see your friends. The best part of heaven is that you're going to see your spouse. The best part of heaven is that Jesus is going to be there. Do you know there's a point in, in, in the book of Revelation where Revelation 21 says that the heavens don't have a sun? That the light comes from Jesus? I want to bask in his glory. I want to bask in his presence. Not for a little, t- not for temporary, but forever and ever. And so I think the question that's underneath these three verses is what value are you placing on that thing called heaven? What is the value? What is the price tag? What are you willing to give up? In order to obtain this thing called heaven, there's, there's two parables before us. One of them is called the hidden treasure. If you look at the subscription above your text, it says the parable of the hidden treasure. The second one is the parable of the pearl. Both of these, uh, both of these parables are really designed to show you the great value of the kingdom of heaven and the extreme urgency and the measures we need to take in order to obtain it. Now, let me just be really clear before we actually dig into the text. I don't want you to read the text today and then think all I got to do is put money toward heaven and I can buy my way into heaven. That's not the point. I've heard it preached like that. If you give more money, you just stand in line and you give all your money. And the next thing you know, you are buying and purchasing heaven. The devil's a liar. You can't earn heaven. You can't gain heaven by privilege. You can't buy, there's, no, there's not enough money to buy a place in heaven, but how many know it's by grace alone? I've been sharing with you guys the last couple of weeks that salvation is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. That's not a, 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 just a cute cliche. That is what you need to live by. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. So in the passage, I want us to pick up the first parable. And then we're going to work to the second one. I'm going to let y'all go. The first parable is this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys or he purchases that field. It's important to, to pick up the first parable. This isn't a treasure hunter. This guy isn't looking for the treasure. He stumbled upon it. It's important for you to see this is random. He's walking through this field and and Jesus shows us that this treasure, he just stumbles upon it and he finds it. He's not seeking it. He's not a treasure hunter. He's not searching for it. This is in the mid 1800s gold rush where they knew it was treasure here and they, they were looking for it. No, he randomly found it. Now, let me just give quick, quick, quick application here. I think this is consistent with most of the salvations that are in the room where you were minding your own business, you were living a life full of sin and it wasn't a miserable life, but you were happy and you had temporary pleasure and you had money and all the sex you wanted and you were doing your own thing and Jesus just came down in the midst of you minding your business and swooped you up. You stumbled upon it. And although you think you stumbled upon it, Jesus was actually searching for you. And he actually found you. And he found you before the foundations of the earth. And when he found you, he said, I know you're living a life full of sin, but I got a purpose for you. I got a plan for you. Come and follow me. And because his grace, I'm preaching, y'all, his his grace is irresistible. When he said, come, all you had to do was say, I'm here. Here I am, Lord. Send me, I'll go. And so what the treasure hunter is, what the guy is doing is he's walking through a field and he finds something that's incomparable. He finds a treasure that makes him think about all of the stuff that he owns. And he says, I'm going to sell everything. 
because I got to get this field. I, so he, the Bible says that he buries it and he puts it back and he covers it up and he runs and he finds all of his possessions. Please hear me, y'all. Everything he owns, we don't know the value of it. But what we do know is the value of the, of the treasure was worth everything. It was worth, there was, there was nothing that he was clinging on to. And here's why I got to preach this to, to, to a room full of young people who are ambitious and successful. I want to preach to y'all because I know how it is. The kingdom of heaven seems like that thing that's far off and that thing that will happen someday. And, and so therefore, we load our lives up with a bunch of stuff and trinkets and gadgets and tech and, and, and we drown ourselves in all this stuff. And the question you should be asking yourself is, is the kingdom of heaven worth everything else I got? Is it worth everything? Because let me tell you something about heaven. Heaven, y'all want to y'all know the greatest FOMO? Missing out on heaven. Oh, the party's going to be legit. When I tell you it's going to be a non-stop party and Jesus is the central theme in which we will be worshiping. And the question you should be asking is, is the stuff that I have in my life that I've collected is that stuff worth giving up everything for this treasure? Because let me tell you something about this treasure. This treasure restores marriages. Oh yeah, this, this treasure binds up the broken heart. It heals the sin-sick soul. It, it, it gives life to the captive and the bound. It gives sight to the blind. It fulfills the deepest longing of our soul. It, it quenches the deepest thirst. That treasure that you have is worth everything. It's worth everything and if I understand the text right, nothing compares to it. Let's look at somebody and just say, nothing compares to heaven. Nothing compares to heaven. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the amount of stuff you have. I don't care what it is you have. Nothing in your life comes even close. It's, it's a no-brainer. Nothing comes even close to this thing that is so valuable called Jesus and his place where he dwells, which is Heaven. There, there, there are some expensive things in the world. I actually looked them up for you. A Graf Diamonds hallucination watch is worth $55 million. One watch. A 1963 Ferrari uh, 250 GTO is worth $70 million. A Leonardo da Vinci Salvatore is $450 million. A Japanese sushi tycoon once paid $3.1 million, hear me, for one tuna, one fish. He paid $3.1 million. For those of you who like a little sippy sippy communion, McCollin Bourbon, 72 year aged, is 60K. I don't know why I keep talking about drinking. I promise you I have no problem. It's worth $60,000. In fact, if you get a shot, it's $250 for a small little shot. It's, 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 it's valuable. But here's the thing. You can have all of those things. You can have the hallucination watch, the Ferrari. You can have the McCollin. You can put all of that right here. And if the kingdom of heaven was here, that's just a bunch of expensive trash. Why are we chasing it? Why, why are we running? Why, why are we giving our lives to this when Jesus has something that brings far more joy? Here's the kingdom. And here's the thing. I know, I know how it is. It seems so far off. But if Jesus says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he said that 2,000 years ago. Can we agree it's a little closer now than it was when he first said it? 
I don't know when Jesus is going to come back, but if I understand eschatology right, he can crack the sky right now with a myriad of angels. The Bible says he's going to have a white robe and he's going to have that robe dipped in blood. He's going to have a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And my question is, are you going to be holding on to stuff? That's what we do. In 2023, your year has been marked by holding on to stuff. And you've had one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of the world. And if I understand Jesus, that you can't have two masters. What what is your priorities? How how are you aligning with the things of God? Let me read this quote to you. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, we are half-hearted creatures. Fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by, by, by the offering of a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased with the things of this world. And that's the problem with us. Many of you have found this valuable uh, 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 treasure and you found it. But let's be honest. It's not that you devalue the kingdom of heaven. It's just that you love the world just a little too much. That's the problem. The problem isn't that you denounce the cross. No, you believe in the cross, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that you got to have on the earth. And how many know that on this earth, we just passing through. This ain't my home. I don't live here. If you came to my house, I doubt because you don't live in my house. I doubt that you would get as comfortable in my house as you would at your house. Right? You ain't going to just bust through the refrigerator. You know, you're not going to just open up doors. You're not just going to collect stuff and put it in your purse. You wouldn't do that. Some of y'all would, but you, most of you wouldn't do that. And the reason you wouldn't do that is because you don't live there. You have another destination. And, and, and let me tell you about the word of God. When it comes to the word of God, it is very clear that we are, we are exiles. We are sojourners. We don't live here. We're just passing through. I am waiting for the day where Jesus comes back, takes me home. And so the scripture says that he finds this, 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 this valuable treasure and he goes and sells everything. Now, the way, I un, the way my mind works when I'm reading text, I want to know what was his disposition when he sold everything. Because remember, the rich young ruler was told to sell everything and he was, he was like, I can't do that. So I want to know what is your disposition? Are you aggravated? Are you getting into heaven begrudgingly? Look at the disposition of, of this man in the verse 44. The kingdom of heaven, heaven is like a treasure found in the field, which a man found and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells. So when he sold everything, he wasn't holding on. Going, oh my God, I can't. I really don't want to give this up. He deemed that what he found was so valuable that he said, it's my joy to get rid of this. And I just, I want to know in the room, is there anybody that understands that heaven is the true fulfillment of joy? Listen, you can go get that new Apple phone if you want to. Five years from now, they're going to come out with a new one. And it's going to, they're going to, they're going to make you think it has features that are upgraded and it's the, they're going to repackage the same one. And they're going to get, and we, and we are so stupid. We're so, we're so dumb. We're so fickle that we really think that that stuff brings us joy. And God is like, the real joy is found in me. That is the word, that's the word that's used in the text with his joy. He went and sold everything because everything that you have, nothing you have that's earthly actually brings you true fulfillment. Money cannot compare with Jesus. Y'all hear me? That job 
cannot compare with the joy you get in Jesus. Fame, because I know, I know we're trying to get on. We're trying to get put on. And so fame and notoriety and everybody applauding your name, that's temporary. That will satisfy a little bit, but it will not have eternal significance. Joy that Jesus brings gives us eternal significance. What about that one night stand? Okay, how exotic it was. How crazy it was. Oh, look, why y'all looking at me like that? Like y'all don't know this is what we talk. This is how we talk in here. That, that exotic one night stand, it might have been pleasurable for a temporary moment, but it does not bring lasting joy. The only thing that brings lasting joy in, is Jesus. And here's why we always say that, 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 that the things of this world can be taken away. Here's what I know. If you get that job, you can be laid off. That one night stand only lasts for one night. But the joy, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it. And the world, y'all making me work. And the world can't take it away because Jesus gives me true, he gives me true joy. Vicky Winans said it best. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Somebody look up to heaven and say, Lord, I want the joy that you give. Because the joy that Jesus gives, nothing else can compare to it. And here's the thing. I know some of you in this room, you, you've, been, you've been interacting with counterfeit pleasures. You have counterfeit gods. And so these things, you get this, this, this rush and this high from that temporary moment. But the problem is about a high, it always comes down. You always come back down. No one, it's not sustainable to live in that. And the, the only way you get to live in that level of joy and pleasure and high is when you have Jesus at the center. This is why that relationship will never satisfy you. This is why, because we have counterfeit pleasures. Brothers, this is why the obje- objectification of a woman's body and looking at porn doesn't actually satisfy you. Right? It temporarily does, but at the end of the day, it is so fleeting. It is so empty. You still have a void because Jesus feels in places that nobody else can feel. So why the shiny trinkets of this world will not compare with what Jesus offers us. The text shows us today that, the, that, the, that the, these two um, treasures, are, it's very clear that they are incomparable. And I love, you know, when I read the scriptures, there's so many people that had a lot but still chose Jesus over a lot? I think, what about David? This is King David, right? That had pleasure in finances and money and servants. And, and he still says, as the deer pants at the flowing water, so my soul longs for you, not stuff, you. What about Habakkuk? Habakkuk said, though the fig, the fig tree may blossom, may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, nor produce an olive fail, and, and the olive fail, and the, and the fields yield no fruit, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd. In other words, all of the stuff is gone. Ain't no, ain't no figs on the tree, ain't no blossoms, ain't no fruit on the vine, ain't no olives growing. But watch what he says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Amen. What about Paul? Paul says, indeed, I count every. First of all, Paul started this by giving his resume. Oh, and Paul was, he's like, man, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, blameless when it comes to the law. I know more than everybody in the room. But it, then he ends it by saying, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss in all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I might gain Christ, the stuff that I've gained in my life is considered rubbish. Y'all remember that pile of expensive stuff? He's like, that's cow dung compared to the kingdom of God. 
But I'm not just encouraged by the people of Scripture. I'm encouraged by many of you in this room. There's some of you in this room that when I get around you and we talk about the things of of, of God, it ignites my heart in a way that I'm like, man, I want to love Jesus more because of what she just said. I want to love Jesus more because of the the way they're consistent in in their prayer life and how they go through. That stuff encourages me. There are so many of you in this room that have stuff, but you count the stuff as rubbish and you look to Jesus as your full source. And I'm encouraged by you. I ain't got to just look in scripture to get encouragement. God gives me encouragement by the brothers and sisters that are in the body. So listen, the joy that Jesus gives surpasses all other joys. And I put that on my mama. Surpasses everything. There is nothing in life, nothing in life that I would have and hold tighter than I hold to, to, to Jesus. Now, here's the question that I'm asking myself. Okay, what is the what is the value of the two treasures? Right? There's a treasure in the field. There's a pearl. What's the actual value? What's the price tag? What, like maybe there, if I collect enough stuff, maybe it is worth more. What is the actual price tag? I don't know the price tag, but verse 44 says he goes and sells all. Verse 46 says that he went and sold all. Two different people found these treasures and deemed that the price tag of the kingdom of heaven was everything. everything all. There's, there's nothing that is, there's nothing that I put before the Lord. It, and, and the crazy thing is when I consider all, I realize that there are parts of my life. This is just my devotional. When I was working through this, I was going, God, I know that there's parts of my life that I don't give you all. I'll give you some. I'll give you, I'll give you a lot. I'll give you more than I gave you. That's the real, that's the problem with us. Is we feel real good when we give more than we gave last year. And I'm not talking money. I'm talking about us. When we give of ourselves and we give God more, we're like, God, well, I'm praying more. And God's like, that's cool. Uh, But you know, I want all. And so therefore, there's a part of your life that you're not submitted to God. He's like, I don't I don't just want ninety nine percent because then that one percent is given to somebody else. I need a hundred. Y'all know that hundred that's on your emoji. Jesus texts you today. That's what he wants. He wants a hundred. He does not want half. He doesn't want a portion of you. He wants all. And, you know, I know, you know, I know us, right? We're really good at hiding. We're really good at letting you in to see a little bit. You know, even as we talked about my house, right? If you come over my house and it's unexpected, first, just never do that. But if you come over my house and it's unexpected and a room isn't clean, close the door. If the di- I did this one time. Dishes in the sink. Put them in the stove. I did it. I did it before. I did it before. But here's the thing about Jesus. When Jesus enters your heart, there's no room off limits for him. He busts down the door. And the thing is, he's not busting down the door to put it on Instagram. He's busting down the door because he wants to fold the clothes and clean it up. He wants to take the dishes out the oven and he wants to clean the dishes because there's no part of your heart that he doesn't want. He wants all of you. In 2023, you've got away with giving some of you. And it's, it's cool. You've made it by his grace to 2024. But in this here year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he wants all of who you are. Listen, church is real corny if I'm just going to give him a little bit of me. It's corny. I don't want to do that. I want to, that. That's why they used to say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So in other words, if I ain't going to give him everything, y'all better believe I'm swinging, I'm swinging a pendulum all the way the other way. And I'm going to have myself a good time. 
But if I'm going to give him everything, I ain't playing this second fiddle stuff where I'm kind of in between. I want to give him all. I just want to know am I in a room full of people that are like, I ain't giving him something this year. Banking all my chips on him. I'm giving him all of who I am. I'm surrendering all. I love that song. I surrender all. We sing it, but do we live it? I surrender all. I want to give you, Lord, I want to give you everything. I don't want to give you half. And here's the thing. It's really a no-brainer. The trade is crazy, y'all. You get so much more than what you had. Trade is crazy. You, you actually are trading death for life. Who wouldn't do that? You are trading sin for salvation. Who wouldn't do that? You are trading shame for security. Who wouldn't do that? The trade is a no-brainer, and it feels like a wrestle, but when you sit back and look in retrospect, you are always excited that you gave up something because Jesus is worth it. A few years ago, in in, in the next few days, Ty and I have to run down to Miami to do this this ministry event that, honestly, we do every year. It's like the first couple of weeks of the year. We always do it with a group of pastors around the country, and so we're leaving on Tuesday, and it made me think about the one time, uh, it was years ago, where... We headed down to, uh, to Miami and we went, you know, we flew out of LaGuardia. Now, this is, this is old LaGuardia. Y'all been to New LaGuardia? Oh, it's different now. See, they got rainfalls now. The old LaGuardia had rainfalls too, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't intentional rainfalls. They had buckets and drips. It used to be horrible. Remember Joe Biden called it a third world country? And so we were at, we were at LaGuardia and we're sitting at the terminal. Uh, Ty hates it, but I, I just don't like rushing for flights. So I get there real early. I would rather get there and sit and wait than be running. And so, so we got to the, we got to the, we got to the, you know, we, we got to the, the gate and we're sitting there and I don't know how airlines do this, but this airline, I will, I'll leave them nameless. They overbook the flight. I don't know how you do that. It's one seat. Don't put two people in one seat. I go to stadiums and concerts and they'll never be like, oh, we oversold. No, you didn't. There's one seat. I bought that seat. And so they overbooked the flight and the, the lady comes on the loudspeaker. She's like, we're giving $500 vouchers each for each seat. And you're guaranteed the next seat on the very next flight, which I looked up was two hours of difference. It was two hours, hours from where we were. I looked, you know, I thought about the schedule. I'm like, we actually arriving early. Ty is like, we ain't got nothing else to do. That's two free flights. Let's take it. Make the trade. And I'm so foolish. I would make the trade now. But back then, I was like, I can't. I just want to go. I don't like waiting. I don't like sitting. If we at the table and we done eating, why are we still here talking? Let's go and do something. I want movement. And so I didn't want to sit at the gate. So I was like, babe, I can't do it. We got to go. And I did not take the flight. But he, I hear Ty in my head to this room saying, make the trade. I don't, I, don't, I don't know who it is in this room that is holding on to stuff, but make the trade. Trade your sorrows for joy. Trade your pain for purpose. Trade, your, trade hell for heaven. Trade. Make the trade. Make the trade. Because the trade really is a no-brainer. You serve a king. You thought the first guy was, was found a treasure. Do you know Jesus actually came from heaven? And was searching for you. And when he found you, the Bible tells me that a grave was dug up for him. And he gets in it. 
and he lays for three days so that you can have eternal security, why would you not make that trade? I want to make that trade because the stuff that I have in my life, even though you know it, it, it feels great now, it, it really is not lasting. It's in the job. You'll get another job. You'll get a greater job. Maybe God to change your purpose. We put everything into a career. We've made our whole identity what we are. We don't even know how to announce ourselves or introduce ourselves without talking about the things that we do in our career. Why do we attach so much stock to the things that we do? And some of you, that, that, you know, your job is an idol. Some of you, I know, it, it, your word, the, you can't even have lunch with somebody without checking your emails. It's an idol. Listen, why do we go through life with all of these idols? And, and you know, that's the thing. You know, some of you are praying for jobs and you're praying for promotions. And God is like, yeah, but if I give you that, what about them idols that you're going to make out of them? Some of you are praying for husbands and praying for wives. And God is like, yeah, but if I give you them, the last one you put before me. So if I give it to you now, you're going to put them before me. Praying for houses. Yeah, but what about you? What about faithful stewardship now with me? Have you given me anything? Some of us live life and we go through life and it's very clear. You can play something, bro. We, it's very clear that Jesus is like, I want all of you. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't have time to really deal with it because we just don't have time. But I just want to I want to read it to you. OK, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to talk for a second. Verse 45, the second parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. In search of a fine pearl, fine pearls, who found one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had, and he bought the field. Now, I need you to pay attention to this. The first guy randomly found, right? He wasn't searching. The second guy is searching. But he finds a pearl, and now my mind is going, well, where did he find the pearl? Because the first guy was in a field. You don't find pearls in, in, in the field. You find pearls in the ocean. And so when you understand what Jesus is getting at, it's so crazy. Jesus is saying that in order to come after me, it's not just stuff. I need you to even be willing to risk your life. Because uh, what, what a merchant would do back in ancient times when it comes to um, finding pearls is that he would, he would row the boat all the way out in the middle of the sea. And he would have in his knife, he would have in his pocket a knife. And, 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 and he had the, pocket, the knife in his pocket and he would take a rope and he would wrap it around his leg. And then he would tie that to a huge rock. And he would take the rock and he would throw it overboard while he was jumping. The rock, because they didn't have scuba gear. The rock would take him all the way down to the bottom. He would quickly grab all of the oysters, which is where the pearl comes from, and he'd put it in his bag, and he'd take the knife, and he'd cut the rope, and he'd swim back to the top. He'd get back in the boat. He'd take that same knife, and he'd crack open each of the oysters, and if he found no pearl, he would do it again, and then he would do it again. Do you know that merchants did this all day long, and many of them died in the process, watch this, of searching for the pearl? And Jesus is saying that in the room. The whole sermon, y'all was going, okay. I'll give it up. I'll give up some stuff. He doesn't just want stuff. He wants your life. Are you willing to risk everything, including who you die to myself so that I can look more like Jesus? Christ? I hope y'all are hearing me in the room. Because y'all got y'all us. I ain't, I ain't talking down us. We just got way too much us in the midst of, 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 of Christianity. Christianity is about Jesus. You cute, boo. 
but it ain't about you. I want him to be exalted. Are you willing to risk your life? I'm going to close here. I want to know, is there anybody in the room that is tired of being wishy-washy, tired of being fickle? Last year, we did that. We were in the palace stuff, and we were also in the kingdom. You know, Revelation 3 talks about the church at Laodicea. And the Bible says that Laodicea, Jesus says, I have this one thing against you. He says, you're not either hot nor cold. He says, you're lukewarm. Now, I don't know about y'all. I don't like nothing lukewarm. Coffee got to be piping hot or ice cold. Tea got to be hot. Don't nobody want to sip on nothing lukewarm. Jesus doesn't only not like to sip on it, but he literally said, you make me sick. I will spew you out my mouth. And some of y'all going, well, that's not that bad. Do you know the rest of the verse goes on to say he calls us wretched and pitiful? And that's been our 2023. Where we were lukewarm. And we've kind of dibbled and dabbled in a bunch of things. And today, he gives you a chance to get it right. So I want to pray today for somebody who wants to give Jesus everything. They're, they're tired of, you might have professed faith a long time ago. But you haven't lived life to where Jesus was the Lord of all. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, do me a favor. Just come on up to the altar. Come on up and stand around the altar. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, if you would say, I'm, this is the year. I'm giving him everything. I'm, I'm giving him all. I've, I'm, you know, I ain't, ain't got to tell you my business, but I'm coming up because I am giving him all. Wherever you are, thank you for coming. Just stand all around. Wherever you are, just stand all around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, y'all. There's more of you in this room that Jesus has been an add-on. Jesus, it's been like that, you know, that it's been like Grubhub where you pick your main meal and you go down and you pick if you want lettuce or that's what we do with Jesus. We add him on. But Jesus is like, man, I'm the main course. And anything I give you is an add-on. He's tired of sitting. Come on, there's more. He's tired of sitting on the board of other gods, your false gods in your life. He wants to be the only God. He doesn't like being options. He likes to be the only option. Is there anybody else? I'll, I'll hold it for a second, y'all. Is there anybody else? Lord, I thank you, oh God, for each and every. Thank you for coming. I see you coming. I see you coming. Lord, I thank you. I see you coming. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's on this altar. Lord, these aren't just people. These are stories. These are situations. Some of them complex. These aren't, this, aren't, this isn't easy. Lord, we are, when you say give up all, we are sacrificing a lot. But Lord, help us to understand and make it our disposition to understand that it's worth the trade. Lord, it's worth the trade because the stuff we've, we've dibbled and dabbled with has never satisfied us. And so Lord, we want more of you. As the worship team was singing that, we just want you. So, Lord, I pray that that would be the theme of our 2024. Thank you for coming. That would be the theme of our 2024. Where the decisions we make this year, Lord, would be different than how we made decisions last year. Where last year we sprinkled a little Jesus in. 
Lord, we want to give you all. There's somebody on this altar that doesn't know you. And for them, this is the moment of salvation. This is the moment that changes everything. So Lord, break up our will. Yes, Lord, break up our will. Break up the strongholds that hold us back. Lord, I pray that you would replace friends. Thank you, Jesus. Friends that have not pointed us toward the things of you. Friends that are pushing against finding this pearl. Friends that are wishing we would stay down under the water. But Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would replace them with people of faith. People that pray. People that push us. People that encourage us. People that challenge us. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you've given us a moment to get it right. That you've given it. This is such grace, Lord, that you've given us time. You've given us time, Lord. So, Lord, we want to give it back to you. And we want our lives to live, to be lived for you. So, Lord, I pray that not only this moment would be transformational, but I pray that you would strategically remind us of this moment where we are making a profession before our other brothers and sisters in Christ to fully live for you. So, Lord, I don't know what that means, but, Lord, I pray that we would be gracious. Here's what I know, Lord. These, the folk that are on this altar in 2024, they might fall, but, Lord, don't let them stay. Don't let them stay. Lord, I pray, oh, God, that by the strength of your spirit that you would lift us up so that we can continue to run this race and run it well. Lord, I look forward to the testimonies. I look forward to hearing the stories that here on January 7th, you did such a work in the lives of these young men and these young women that they are forever changed and other people around them now will all come to faith because they are now living for you. I thank you, oh God, that you've broken the spirit of lukewarmness and you've replaced it with us being on fire for you. Serious like we used to be. Passionate like we used to be. Prayerful like we used to be. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual growth. May that be birthed on this altar. It's in Christ's name we pray and give all glory. Amen.